Welcome to the WRSU Crew, the revolutionary show to hear all things sports, from your very own Rutgers Athletics to the hot topics in all professional and collegiate sports from around the globe, coming to you from your own Rutgers students. Sit back, relax, and enjoy your ride with the crew. And happy Friday. This is the Friday crew here on WRSU FM, New Brunswick. Jake Schmid, David Palumbo running the board. He's running the board for the whole time today. He's our new host here on Friday, as well as Ronnie Walenta. Our Chris Sakonis, uh, big man Chris David's going to be a little bit late, so uh, he's doing big man things. He's probably he's, uh, lifting. Yeah, he's probably lifting. If I had to guess. Probably doing some... A little nice little bench press, so maybe I don't know. Maxing out, maxing out two ten maybe. Um, but Ronnie, how are you doing today? We got a you know, of course, hockey, uh, Canadians and the uh, Vegas Golden Knights series tied at one, going to Montreal for their uh, you know, first playoff game against a Western Conference opponent since 1993, when the Canadians beat the Kings in the Stanley Cup Finals. So, uh, big stuff happening there. And the Islanders lost; they're down two to one. They lost two to one in the Tampa Lightning game three, which I thought was surprising, but. It's uh, I'm excited for tonight's slate with Montreal. Yeah, it certainly has been good so far, Jake. I mean, uh, the one thing you got to say is I think both series right now they're they're not going to be blowouts by either team. No, I, I don't think they're so. Both, they're both series that uh, will go late. Um, I think the Islanders. It's it's kind of a wake up call. I think they played the kind of game that you're used to seeing from them, but they lost to the Lightning, who just have so much depth. And I mean, you called it at going into the series. Braden Point's been been extremely good and uh andre vasilevsky in goal i mean one of the toughest uh goalies in the league along with victor hedman so they're they're up against it but again it's two to one got a lot of time left in the series you got to win the next game but uh for montreal and vegas i mean i don't know if you saw the news with with montreal but uh dominic ducharn uh is out with covid at this point. I actually missed that news. I'm just seeing it now five hours ago. I, I completely missed that. Their their head coach is isolating at home due to irregularities in his COVID testing. The TSN's John Lou uh, reported today, this afternoon, um, which is he's been vaccinated twice, the 48-year-old has. They said he received a second dose June 9th along with the rest of the Montreal Canadiens who uh, elected to get it. So that's really interesting. I mean, it's, uh, you know, June 9th. It's actually not even two weeks after. The two weeks will be the 23rd. So... Really about, you know, 11 days or less than 10 days, uh, nine days to be exact, that he's um, that he's, you know, into that cycle. I, I read about that, that some sometimes if you um, you can con- it can get, you can contract it about and you would feel the effects as the same as you would if you're not vaccinated, if you're before the two weeks. I read that, too. So I think that might be one of the things, too. But that's really sad and disheartening to hear. I mean, that's really unfortunate for Montreal. I mean, he wasn't even, he was not even halfway, basically halfway to being his two weeks to fully vaxxed. Yeah, that's super unfortunate. I don't know if you guys saw Chris Paul uh, is going to be out too. Yeah, yeah, he's also, I think he's, he's also vaccinated think, too. Same type of thing. Yeah. So, yeah. I, I don't know much about this coach, but I know Chris Paul, it's been, he's been waiting to get this deep in the playoffs for a long time. So, and Man, it's, it's sad for sure. Yeah, it is. And we're definitely getting the NBA, the makeup of the NBA, uh, definitely uh, later on in the show. But, but Ronnie, that's really, that's really tough to hear. I mean, he really, he, you see the coaching changes that he made, the line changes he made when they won their last game, when they won three to two against Vegas, you know, in that game, they were up three to one, um, two, nothing really uh, going into the second period. Uh, with Toffoli and Armia scoring those two goals, their fits uh, respectively of the playoffs, and you really see what they're doing. 
Um, and it's been really just um, fun to watch. And it's just unfortunate the coach isn't going to be there. He's usually the guy drawing up the plays. Usually sometimes it's an assistant coach. But um, that's going to be interesting to see, especially because it's, it's at the Bell Center, too. It's their their first you know conference finals game since 90 or, or round before the um, the Stanley Cup playoffs since 93 uh, finals, excuse me, and he's not going to be coaching. So that's really unfortunate in uh, in MTL. Yeah, I mean, and, and, you know, there's a few things that uh, go into this. I mean, obviously, Dominic Ducharme taking over for Claude Julien, right. um, who got fired early on this year. I mean, he's done a phenomenal job. I mean, obviously getting them to the playoffs through the stretch run, but in the playoffs, I mean, nobody expected them to do what they did against nobody. the Toronto Maple Leafs. Or even to get to the place where they could beat the Jets. So for them to get all the way over here and take on a really good Vegas team who's also very well coached and to lose that guy is is obviously crushing. I mean, it, it's uh, he's just done a phenomenal job. There, there's not much more you can say about what uh, Ducharme, is do, uh, Ducharme has done. Um, but the other thing that I guess you'd have to look at is hopefully that none of the players or none of the other coaches also – contracted the virus through him or or maybe this is just an a, 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 you know a bad test and, and it's wrong i mean it's there's so many complications that seem to be coming out of this that you just hope that the canadians are in a spot where they can put a formidable roster out there on the ice tonight yeah you really do i mean it's going to be really tough um, to see Montreal go out, go this way, and it's going to be—I mean, that's going to have an you know, impact on the game. It's going to be Vegas right now is favored uh, to win minus one sixty-five at on the road. Um, there's a lot of optimism, but um, for both of them. But I think for for Montreal, I think the the one thing that's really going to anchor them, and as he has anchored them all throughout the playoffs, is Carey Price. I think that Carey Price is going to have to really step up as the leader when the coach isn't there. Um, he's going to have to be the guy to rally them in the locker room. He's going to be the guy doing the pregame speeches. Um, he's really going to be somebody um, that's going to step up in my view. I mean, he has the postseason save percentage of 930 ahead of this game, big game three tilt uh, tonight. Um, and he's really um, been playing very well this season. And he's 33 too. I mean, he's, you know, he has, some people think he's past his prime, but he's still very much in his prime. I mean, he's, um, he's really been very consistent um, in a recent poll of the NHLPA members of all the the um the NHL Players Association uh, he was named the third best goalie he's somebody that's really tough that that uh, goal scores they don't want to face him um, and you see that him shutting down Marcia so I mean you see Petrangelo getting a goal but you don't see somebody like Marcia so scoring um in that game so I think it's going to be interesting to see um what really unfolds uh, with Carey Price I think he's going to be the big leader of that veteran presence having been on Montreal for all basically all of his career um and he's you know been to this stage before when they went to the conference finals in 2014 against the rangers um you know ronnie you've seen him play and of course they lost that game to the rangers but uh that series but he's somebody who really um has that experience and he's somebody that you know guys like tyler Toffoli, who's played in his fair share of uh yeah big games in the playoffs um they're gonna and uh, suzuki and young guys like petri they're gonna be guys that are gonna be rallying behind price and i think that's gonna be on full display today i think price is gonna step up there yeah, I mean, it's certainly hard to disagree with that. I mean, the, again, you know, the way that the Canadians are constructed, it it really does depend on how he plays. And I think, um, as you're seeing with with the NHL uh, PA, a lot of players just have so much respect for what Carey Price does. And and I think we're really seeing vintage Carey Price. I mean, you're you're completely correct in saying that there was a lot of 
you know, people in the media that thought maybe it was it was coming down to the twilight of Carey Price's exactly. career this year. And yeah. And he's really proven that wrong. I mean, he he still has plenty in the tank. Um, you know, he, he's one of those guys that I mean, similarly for me to to Hank or or even Marc Andre Fleury, who's against him in the series, it's just they seem to be timeless in that. And I think um, if they're hot at the right time, they're they're just they can single handedly win you series, and and he's done that so far. And for me, I mean, again, even if Ducharme is not there tonight, I mean, it's a it's a big blow. But as you mentioned, he's kind of a stabilizing force back there, and I think a lot of the younger guys you mentioned, Nick Suzuki, uh, you know, as well as Cole Caulfield, who who's had some big goals this uh, you know this uh, playoff uh, season, and and obviously Tyler Toffoli, you know, guys like that. You know, we're not talking about stars in the league right now. We're talking about, you know, good young players, good players that you add on. The Canadians did, of course, with the Napoleon. They've all pretty much worked out. But it, it, the one guy that's been the constant um, force at the at the back of that team is Carey Price. And uh, it is going to come down to him. I think we mentioned going into the series, it's going to be him against Marc-Andre Fleury, who is, I think, third all-time in playoff wins. So... These are two guys that have done it for a while, that they've done it extremely well for their entire career. And again, uh, this is a big game for Montreal because you fall behind to Vegas. Vegas is so aggressive. They um, they do pretty much everything well. Uh, you know, they have very good fourth line depth, third line depth, guys that can go out there, hit uh, players. It's not going to be an easy series if you fall behind to these guys because they're just going to punish you. And I think what the Canadians have done really well as well. And is they've kind of embraced that style of play. They've, they've all been, both teams have really been hitting each other and, and the Canadians have really embraced what Ducharme uh, preached. And, and that's why, you know, you got to look at him not being there tonight and, and hope that they continue to play the way that they have. And, and I think if they do, it's going to be a really fun game, just like most of these games have been so far. Yeah, I think so. It's going to be something that's going to be um, interesting to watch for me. As for the, game yesterday, the local team and the Islanders in the barn, I mean, it was really difficult for them to come by. Um, they were never win- leading that whole game. Um, they they tied it up in the second period with Clutterbuck's goal after Yanni Gord scored the first, and then Braden Point with his 11th of the uh, postseason at basically as with 20 seconds left in the period, scored at the second um, with Victor Hedman and Nikita Kucherov, who else helping them? They're, of course, we, we talked about this a lot, Ronnie. Tampa's way over that you know that salary cap limit, the luxury tax, and all those big contracts with Kucherov, especially last season and the shortened season, how Kucherov was hurt and that he wouldn't, you know, and then he was ready for the playoffs and he helped them win the finals, but he wasn't able to, you know, that was part of that, that you know, a lot of people talk about that salary cap, you know, you know, not really limiting Tampa Bay because, you know, though you could bring those guys you know, even if you're over the limit, you can. They can still play in the postseason. It's just different than the regular season. Of course, he was on the injured list, and then he was activated for that. They weren't even paying the the, uh, the salary cap stuff because he was injured for the regular season. And then now that he's not, last season they won, and he was playing, and he was red hot. And I think that the Islanders, you know, Braden Point is somebody. You know, Tampa Bay is stacked up up and down that roster from Vasilevsky in goal to Victor Hedman in defense, and the forward. All four lines are could be a one or two line punch on any. Uh, other team that's not named Tampa Bay. So it's going to be this game four, I think, is critical for the Islanders. I think that they don't, they're going to fear going down 3-1. 3-1 series in the NHL is hard to come back from. I think that, especially Saturday, tomorrow night, I think that the Islanders, that's like a must-win for them. You have to even it up at two. You have to win that game at the barn because, you know, in theory, you get 
two, one more after that is game six. So you take one there, then you maybe go back to Tampa. They won game one, but I think right now a lot of people have been saying it looks like a fluke kind of because the Islanders have, um, they played very strongly in that game. Uh, but Tampa Bay yesterday, they scored first. And, you know, when you score first, you have that momentum. And uh, Yanni Gord scored about early in the first period, about, you know, 10 minutes in, halfway in. And he's some, it's, that's going to be, you know, tough. And Varlamov, you know, the Islanders with defensively, um, they were struggling with with uh, Braden Point. He was, you know, he was really controlling those late pucks deep. Um, and Cal Clutterbuck, you know, somebody who doesn't score a lot too. They were really shutting down Barzell. They were shutting down um, their yeah Kyle Palmieri. Even he's their leading goal scorer. He hasn't really done much this series. Um, he's got like an assist here and there. But I think that the Islanders definitely have to step up for tomorrow. That's a critical game four on the island tomorrow. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more. I mean, uh, as for the Lightning, um, I, I it's one of those things where Nikita Kucherov, we all know how amazing he is, but his injury during the season might have really helped this oh, team. Oh, no question. I, I think in, in a few ways. I mean, I saw a report today that Alex Kalorn might have been traded uh, in season if Nikita Kucherov wasn't on the IR. Really? And Wow, and, I yeah, didn't know and, that. And, we know how good Alex Kalorn oh, yeah. has been for the Lightning, especially in the playoffs. This is this is a guy that just seems to come alive in the playoffs. But again, with the salary cap the way it is, they were allowed to keep him. And you mentioned all the depth they have. I mean, they were able to keep all that depth because of that injury. And yeah. again, as good as Kucherov is and as much as you want him on the ice, you're really benefiting from it now. And I, and I think the other factor for me was – I think during the season, we were all kind of looking at the Carolina Hurricanes and the Florida Panthers and those teams in that division. 100%. Saying, like, I mean, they they looked very good. And I think what the Lightning did basically was they made themselves underdogs when they were clearly the favorites uh, going in after winning the Stanley Cup last year. So uh, I, think, I, I think they really kind of passed by this season uh, kind of under the radar, which is surprising um, because of, the, how how well the Hurricanes and the uh, the Panthers played, and and we're seeing that depth all come together right now, and and they're just doing a phenomenal job. And I think for the Islanders, the way that they play hockey is they are very much uh, they try to be in control of the game. They play very well defensively. Um, they're they're limiting their own mistakes while taking advantage of other teams' mistakes. And I think the way that the Lightning play right now, they're not. I think that's what the, the Islanders are, are struggling with uh, to a certain degree in the series. They Again, they played exceptionally well. There's no doubt about it. They had very much a chance to win yesterday's game. But it, it it's interesting to me to see, again, two really good teams and two teams that are very comfortable playing each other defensively and teams that don't make mistakes. This, this is playoff hockey. These are two teams that are very well coached and for the Islanders, they don't panic, so I, I don't I don't expect them to go into uh, the game tomorrow and and uh, look any differently than they have. They're they're down two to one in the series. They were down two to one to Boston, and and they they came back and did their job. So I I just think it's all about continuing that style of play. Eventually, Tampa's going to make mistakes. Every team makes mistakes at some point, and even though they have all this depth that we're talking about, uh, they're they're definitely beatable, and I think the Islanders have already proven that. Uh, so for the Islanders, just continue that style of hockey and and don't make the don't make mistakes on your end to get too aggressive to try and take advantage of them. Well, Tampa Bay, I mean, you know, one of the reasons they went under the radar to the 
to the casual passive fan is that they were third in their division. They had 75 points. They were five points below Carolina for first. I mean, that was just the way that Carolina was able to go about this season. Um, you know, Tampa Bay was different. They, they, you know, they didn't come out on top of that division, which a lot of people thought that Tampa Bay was going to win with ease because you have guys like the teams like the Blackhawks, the Red Wings, the Blue Jackets, uh, who are struggling teams. Um, and the Blue Jackets who have lost, you know, star power like they don't have Sergei Bobrovsky. Um, he's gone. They're not the same team they were when they made, you know, that little those playoffs last year and a couple of years ago. So um, everybody thought Tampa would be in that in contention there. But um, the one they they really were and they didn't win the President's Trophy, which a lot of people were surprised by. And then Colorado, of course, they're bounced. They lost to Vegas um, just the round before. And, you know, Colorado was my pick to go to the cup. You know, they don't seem to have the right pieces to do it, and Tampa Bay does. And I think that Tampa Bay going under the radar really elevated their level of play. I mean, they really, you know, with all, all that exposure, I mean, a lot of people, you know, you know, yeah, they won the Stanley Cup last year. They uh, they won the shortened season. They beat Dallas. Dallas also didn't even make the playoffs. They were fifth in their division, 23 and 19, 14, 16, 60 points. They're 15 points below Tampa for third. Um, but... You know, Tampa Bay Lightning, I think coming off that Stanley Cup, you know, like the St. Louis Blues, they've struggled since their Stanley Cup victory. Even the Capitals, they haven't gotten past the second second round since. Um, they were bounced too early on by the, by Boston in this first round of this playoff. So there, there's this idea of like the, the Cup Finals teams, I think, in my theory, that Cup Finals teams, you know, the next season, they're different. They're not as, um, you know, aside from like the Devils in 2000 and losing in 2001, the finals to the Avalanche to Joe Sackick and all that, and, and that very well-rounded um, Avalanche team with Patrick Roy, but um, the this Tampa Bay team, a lot of people were kind of, you know, especially that injury to Kucherov, a lot of people were saying that Tampa Bay is not going to be the same team, and teams like Carolina and Florida just leapfrogged in front of them, but then getting Kucherov, getting, uh, getting those guys back, Vasilevsky anchoring down in net, I mean... It is really as to the to the uh, to us as NHL fans. It's not really that surprising that Tampa Bay they they didn't really lose anybody. They didn't really they've kept you know pretty much everybody. They've top to bottom you know guys like Yanni Gordon, Sorelli have stepped up. Uh, Goudreau, um, uh, Goodrow, um, Braden Point, Palat, all these guys have really stepped up. And you have seen like guys like Pat Maroon who was getting very aggressive, physical. Tampa Bay did not have that physical or as much, not as physical as they are now, that presence that we've seen him, you know, Pat Maroon bickering with uh, Casey Zizekas in the uh, in game two, game one, Palmieri was getting out of that. Matt Martin, it was it was Martin that was in with Pat Maroon in that, that brawl a little bit, that fight in the side of the net by uh, Simeon Varlamov in uh, game one, I believe, in Tampa when the Islanders won. So the uh, Tampa Bay, I think, just getting more physical, and they're they, they kind of have a different mentality. It's, I don't think it's the underdog mentality. I think that they know that they belong. They know that they're a really, really good team, and you're right about that. And I think that Tampa Bay, they got some swagger now, and they're playing very physical, and they're showing teams that, you know, they won a cup last year for a reason. They've got the same pieces, you know. Don't count them out. I think that's the mentality that they're in, that they're playing very physical and aggressive, and Kalorn has been really good physically for them. So that really has been, has impressed me the most about Tampa. You didn't see this physical flair as much last season. Yeah, I I, I would have to agree with you on that. I mean, the the way that, again, both of these teams are not afraid to get chippy, and I think not the at Islanders... All. That fourth line, as you mentioned, guys like Sezikis, Matt Martin is always in, in the top five for hits on a year. I mean, this is a guy that's pretty much getting paid to go out there and be a pest on the ice. Yeah. And 
as you mentioned, Pat Maroon, big addition to the Tampa Bay Lightning. This is a guy that has experience winning the Stanley Cup. He won, obviously, last year with the team. But bringing him in this year back, I mean, it, it was big. And with the Blues, and, too. Uh, and he, and he's kind of that guy, exactly. just to, just to, just for a little bit, he was just that guy that's like always standing in the net ready to shoot. I mean, that was kind of like the primary focus the Devils got for him when he was playing against Tampa in the 2018 uh, playoffs. Then he had like a goal. Like he's kind of that presence in front of the net, that uh, screening presence too. Yeah, and and his veteran leadership too. He's going to help uh, other teammates get to be that kind of player. You know, there's a lot of talent, as we mentioned, on Tampa, but... These guys do get to the net. They're not afraid to be aggressive. They're not afraid to kind of get in your face. And and I do think Pat Maroon's presence brought some of that. And and again, it, it was a big acquisition for them. Barclay Goodrow at the time when they got him from the Sharks, um, this is a guy, you know, he, he's not really, you know, your top kind of six. Was uh, he really on San Jose before? He was on San Jose. Was he, was he like a, a like third or fourth liner? He was, and and again, they got because San Jose wanted to get those picks because they've been rebuilding since they lost yeah. to Pittsburgh in like sixteen. And I and I think the way that the hockey community looked at that was that they were overpaying for Barclay Goodrow. Oh, that's what I thought. The Tampa, Bay, the Tampa Bay Lightning, for sure. I mean, they would do the deal a billion times again because he's been another guy that's had a presence on the team and and a, a guy that they really needed on those fourth lines. I mean, we're seeing every single team here that's made it this far has a good fourth line, a good third line and a good strategy for using them guys that will get in your face and will score ugly goals. And, and I think that all four teams do that exceptionally well. And, you know, you talk about Carolina and Colorado, those were two teams coming in two young teams, two teams that really did look like they were on the up and up and they were good during the season, but they don't have that leadership. They don't have that veteran presence at the top. And then, on the bottom lines, they're not as deep. They have a lot of skill guys, a lot of guys that can shoot the puck, a lot of guys that can really score, but they don't have that same aggressive mentality. And I think a lot of us, uh, including myself, who really like Colorado and Carolina going into the playoffs, kind of got swayed a little bit by how good they, they truly do look on paper. And we kind of just didn't see the Lightning as as, as much of a, a good-looking team. And I mean, you don't need a good-looking team. The Islanders certainly don't have as much talent as some of these other teams that have been bounced from the playoffs already. And we talked about this a lot, how how they've made it work because of good coaching and because of an aggressive mentality and because they play really good defense as well. And uh, I, I think we're really seeing that these complete hockey teams out there, nobody would have picked Montreal, but the way that Toronto plays is so skill-based. They don't have a whole lot of grit. And uh, they – they just didn't have enough to overcome uh, a comeback by Montreal. So, I, again, there's a lot of really good-looking teams out there that have been bounced already, and they, I think they've been bounced because these teams really have a plan. They're well-coached, and they they just they play a certain style of hockey that plays really well in the playoffs. And, again, the Islanders are up against, I think, a brick wall in, in the Tampa Bay Lightning, but this is a team that really believes in itself. They have the players that they want to put out there, even if they're not the most talented. And I truly do think that they can tie this series up 2-2 and make this a really, really interesting series the rest of the way. It's already been that. But again, you fall 3-1 down. I completely agree to you. Then you're really in the hole. And then you got to, again, against the Lightning. I don't know if you can win three three in a row. So it, it is a huge game for them to come out and tie the series. And uh, for tonight... I, again, it, it's Montreal versus Vegas. Who's going to take control of this series? And 
it's tough to pick against Vegas tonight. Yeah, it definitely is. But first to your point about the Islanders in Tampa, I think what needs to change for the Islanders, you got to win faceoffs. They were 46% uh, for the from the circle um, yesterday. You know, Vegas is winning. I mean, Tampa was winning the majority of those uh, those takes. So they got to win those draws. I think that you got to win the draws, especially if they're in your defensive zone. A lot of those times they were in their defensive zone. I think that that's one of those areas where the Islanders are going to have to uh, to step up there. You saw, you know, their leading shots on goal that they got for shots was Matt Martin, uh, four four goals with five hits. As Yeah, we talked about the hits, Ronnie. That's what you touched on. Five hits from him, three from Dobson. Dobson's another guy right there. But you got to give, you know, Clutterbuck, you know, he was it was like a fluke goal kind. He was one for two. He had two shots on goal total. Um, but you got to get guys like Kyle Palmieri and Ryan Pulak uh, and Matt Barzell, of course, uh, more involved offensively. When Matt Martin is taking the majority of those shots, um, it's good, and you like to see that, but he only had 11 minutes of ice time. He was getting off those time in a lot. You have, you know, Brian Pulak, 24 minutes of ice time, no shots on goal at all. That's somebody, as a defender, he's usually one of those guys who can shoot it from the uh, from the blue line. So he's somebody, I think the Islanders got to look at that strategy. I think that they want to get more out of guys like Pulak. He's playing, you know, more than a quarter, more basically 50% of the game. So you got to get him uh, making some good passes. He didn't really have a lot of shots on goal. He's got to be working around the circle. The Islanders... Got to be consistent with their speed. Um, they got to crash the net. They, I think that's where they really lacked. Um, they, uh, the Islanders, you know, Cal Clarebrook, of course, Sezikis and Matt Martin set him up, but you got to get more out of your top line from Barzell. You, Tampa Bay got that with Braden Point with uh, Kucherov, that Point Kucherov, you know, Stamkos, that whole beautiful line, that first line, that top line they have there is really, you know, really a force to be reckoned with in the NHL. So getting those, I think that's a key for that game. And looking at the Vegas game today, I think that, one area I'm looking for for Vegas to bounce back on um, is really just to get some more odd man rushes. You know, we've seen Carey Price letting a couple goals, especially Petrangelo. He had two in their last game. Look for Petrangelo to keep doing what they're doing. Vegas was third in the NHL in goals, averaging about three point, averaging about over uh, three and a half for a reason in goals. They're somebody. They're a team that's really, um, really offensively. Um, very well, very well adapted to different teams. So I think that this is going to be a big series, uh, big game. It's going to be a, it's a fun series to watch. Um, but Vegas has been struggling in the playoffs. They've been shrug, struggling to score. Um, you know, from the from the naked eye, they've got a good team. They got a top tier goalie in uh, in Mark Andre Fleury. They got a really stacked defensive team. But their big weakness has been uh, the absence of their uh, their top offense, top five offense in the in the nation in the team. Um, I'm really looking for Max Pacioretty to have a big game against his former team here. He's only had five goals in their in the five-game series against Dallas last year. He didn't really uh, come to play last year. Um, they really don't have that number one true center. They're a team very well put together, Vegas. They, they're all those, you know, bunch of random guys like they had in the draft. I mean, they have all these, you know, big guys. Um, and they Pacioretty has fixed that at left wing. Um, you got to see more out of Marsha. So they don't really have a big center presence um, for Vegas. I mean, will you know, Wild Bill Carlson, Willie Carlson, 14 goals on the season, but he's more of an assist kind of guy with 25. So he's got to be those guys. I think Carlson, you need a big game from him. Riley Smith, I think those guys have to step up. And uh, Vegas, you know, they kind of lack that center. I think that's that's really hurt them this series. I mean, they don't have a number one center guy. They don't have someone who can set up shop. I mean, you have guys like Petrangelo at defense doing the work with two goals in their last game, and they still lose. Yeah, I, I mean, I think their one guy, you know, at center is probably William Carlson, as you mentioned. But 
again, that's the guy for me that has to get going. I mean, centers in the NHL are so valuable. I mean, we, we see this with Sidney Crosby and guys like that, that just go in, they can win faceoffs, they shoot the puck. Well, they're on the power play. William Carlson is so important to that team. And, and I know Mark Stone is the captain. And obviously you can't disagree with the fact that, you know, he, he's a guy that can definitely step up to Vegas, but I'm with you. I think William Carlson is a guy that has to step up for them as that top center. And I, I do think he has all the talent in the world to do that. It's just going to be tough. I mean, again, we've mentioned Carey Price how many times. It's tough in the playoffs when you run into a hot goalie, and that's what Vegas is running into right now. And Again, I think they have more talent than Montreal. I I absolutely do. I mean, I think Montreal is an extremely talented team. But we look at Vegas, and, and they were one of the favorites going into the year. They did beat a really good Colorado Avalanche team that I think everybody was really hyped about and, and thought maybe would win the series against Vegas. Well, Vegas did a good job against them. You got to look at what you did well against them. And, and I think, again, you know, you got to get to the net. You got to make things hard on Terry Price. There's some saves that a goalie just can't make. And I think uh, rebound goals, uh, tip-ins, plays like that, you're looking for a guy like in, like William Carlson to step up in front of the net. And I think he can. And um I absolutely do. I would take the Vegas Golden Knights in this game. I think there's just too much going on with the Canadians. Um, but I absolutely do think the Vegas Golden Knights have, have the talent to win this game. And uh, it'll be interesting to see what Montreal brings in terms of the fans and, and the crowd and see what kind of energy that place is, is buzzing with tonight and, and to see how they overcome the loss of their coach. And I think it's going to be a good game regardless. But I do think that, as you mentioned, that center ice position, especially with William Carlson, is going to be of the utmost importance tonight. Yeah, definitely. A huge, huge matchup going on later uh, tonight. Uh, we got locks coming up um, as well. Locks of the week on the other side of this break. Do not go anywhere. This is the Friday Crew on... And time for Locks of the Week here on WRSU-FM New Brunswick. Chris Acona is joining us, kind enough to join us for about the final, the hour and a half of the show. And he's hopping on too. And what is your secret? I have a confession to What make. is your confession? We, we could always take I secrets lo- here. Well, I actually logged on at 4.03. It's just a combination of me not really following the hockey playoffs as much as I should have. And uh, England, Scotland uh, capturing the bulk of my attention. I kind of just kept it on the down low. The- so they uh they drew zero it was zero zero right now right they uh it still is I've got it all on my other screen. Okay, England okay. Really that... controlled the run of play in the second half, uh, but they just have not been able to break through. Scotland not really asking a lot of questions right now. So you weren't late. Oh, I was five minutes late. He was in, he was in Scotland. Late, like he had to go across the pond. You weren't like lifting, like maxing out. No, he's no, he's watching no, soccer I today. I, I just I assumed, after. you know. Oh, uh, you just assumed? Okay. So they, yeah, I just assumed. Big man. I, I mean, I don't know where I don't know where you got that impression. I, th- you know, I don't. I don't think. I don't think you've met Chris yet, David. Have you? I don't think we've met, met, met in once, person. Yeah. I met him once. Oh yeah, yeah. No, there was a one time. Yeah, he popped up out about... of nowhere. He kind of were, were you like me, hiding? Actually. He was kind of hiding in the dark. He kind of spooked me, to be honest. Were you like a secret vampire or something? Refresh my memory. I don't remember this. Okay, so. 
Yeah, tell us the story. Jake. Jake's, tell us the story. Right here. So you see that chair right there, Jake? The chair right everyone, across from us in studio, just, in yes. the production production uh, room, right across from where we are. Okay. Exactly, right? Got I've it. Got, I've got the I know exactly on. the chair he's talking about. Oh, he knows. He knows. Good. Okay, okay. Everyone Ronnie, we all can envision it. Okay. Yeah, I'm sitting there. I'm chatting it up. You know, I've got the chat. Right. You know, the audio. Of course. Boom, that door opens. What's it called? No, the door from FM, where we are right now, exactly. from the studio. Boom, was, it opened. Was, was it both doors? Because there's two doors. There's one, you know... For each studio, did he? You know, I can't he, guarantee it. Okay, so it wasn't it either one. It, it was one. So and he I just popped around. open. Yeah, I turn around. Was it loud? Would you know there was a door it open? It was loud. It was loud. It okay. was loud. I turn around. I see a wild Chris out in the wild. <laughs> it was like a Pokemon. He just popped up out of nowhere. Which, uh, but it was cool. You know, he's such he's such a cool guy. You know, he's so big. So it was cool to meet him. You know, he's a legend. That's a that's <laughs> the most interesting intricate story I've heard of. Chris Sakonis of meeting Chris Sakonis, the famous sports director. I don't think I've heard of anything like that on that level of him popping out of nowhere. That's that's interesting right there. Yeah, I was in the, another room and then the I walked into the room. That's a story. It was it was quite but, the but, but 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 see, Chris, when you said it there, I just fell asleep. But then David, he got the theatrics, <laughs> he got the theatrical elements. It's like he's like Shakespeare writing a play or something. So I, uh, young I, uh, I might yeah. have gassed it up, but you know, he's regardless, Chris is he's a cool guy. Chris, you know, uh do you have a do you have a lock of the week, Chris? Um, uh, come back to me in a minute. I think uh, Schmid's got one. All I, think I, I do actually. Uh, tomorrow, everybody in the world is watching the Euro 2020 soccer for in 2021 because they rescheduled it from last year because of COVID to now. It's the I, I don't. There's still Euro 2020. It's like we're reliving 2020 as David makes a face at yeah, me. Yeah, I'm not got, watching that. But. You don't want to watch Euro I mean, 2020 in 2021. Maybe maybe backgrounds. Okay. Okay. In the background. Wow. So it's like golf. Okay. That's a Chris. We don't like to hear that. Uh, Chris. I just heard Chris scoff. I don't know if you heard that. That was a scoff. I'm sorry. From Chris. The, the, that this is like the pinnacle of international sport. I, I don't think you're giving it the respect it deserves, David. Okay. I'm sorry. Well, that's that's not my problem. Well, tomorrow. Uh, oh, my, okay. All right. My uh, my home, my second or third home country, France, is taking on Hungary at 9 a.m. tomorrow. Um, I will not be up for that. I'll probably be sleeping. But um, what? I'm not going to give a 9 a.m. for France. It's literally you're literally a France fan. Okay, but French like, French if fan. If you want to get up for North they're not, Macedonia, they're not, Ukraine, they're gonna that's win, one though. thing. It, but like, it's 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 going to be an automatic dub. Hungary oh, Hungary is well, now old. that you said that I'm pounding Thai plus four thirty. No 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 no. Hungary Hungary is not as you know. Look, they're in this. They're in a tough division right now. They're playing the last place Hungary. Um. France has been playing very well as of late. They've kind of got everybody back from uh, the Liga 1 play. That they, they beat Germany 1-0 from an own goal, really. Um, that was surprising. And we know we talk about how Germany's doing pretty bad. But, um, you know, I, I like that 4-3-3 formation that Didier Deschamps used in his last uh, formation with Benzema, Mbappe, and Griezmann. I like the, the, the three-counter punch right there. And I love that um, Pogba, as he gets older, he's still... Very fast and very quick, and that defensive line, especially Pavard, uh, he's really impressed me too. The twenty-five-year-old, uh, pretty one of the younger defenders on that French back line. I think that they're gonna have that the play against Hungary. It's gonna come down to uh, just protecting the net, um, and I think that you know guys are gonna play well, like that, especially um, Loris Lori, uh, the goalie. I think that he's somebody's a little bit older, but he's he's actually surprised me the being more mobile. So I think that France gets that one. Um, the uh, definitely taking France to get uh, 
let's see. Right now, the betting line is about one and a half for the goal. I'd say like two goals over Hungary. I think that France is going to be more strategized than that own goal. They know they can do better than that. Ronnie, okay, I know you have a like lock that. for us. Ronnie, what do you have? Yeah, I mean, uh, it's probably not as interesting um, as as that lock, uh, Jake. I mean, I, I, you know, I'm not really following the Euros, but no, no, I mean, it, it, I, it's I probably more of, interesting. I, I would just, <laughs> I, I have a lot of respect for international soccer. It's obviously a huge, um, it, it's a it's a big cultural thing in a lot of countries, and I think it's the same way football is in in, in the U.S. But my lock is going to be baseball, um, and. You know, sometimes I'll try and bet on the Yankees, and it never really works out. So I'm not going to do that. Yeah, you today. don't really do the Yankees a lot. I've noticed that about you. Even on like I, semester I, in the spring, you never did on on the on the Friday crew. That's telling. You, you know, I, I kind of like that. It is it is kind of telling because I don't really trust myself to predict this. I mean, they're they're playing Oakland tonight. It's going to be an interesting game. It'll be uh, Jamison Tyone, who's been actually pretty good at home, even though the stats uh, don't indicate that he's pitched very well at all. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what they do, but I'm going to go with the over under in uh, the Milwaukee, Colorado game. Um, That's and a good it's going to be in Colorado. Um, and I think the over under is 10 and a half. And, and you know what? Look, we're at Coors Field. I understand, you know, 10 and a half at Coors Field is not a lot. But if you look at the pitching matchup and you go more in depth with it, it's Corbin Burns against Antonio Santatello. Corbin Burns is unbelievable this year. I mean, the guy might have the nastiest pitch in baseball with with his 98 mile per hour cutter. Uh, he has under a, a 2.3 ERA. He's he's pitching exceptionally well. And Antonio Sensatella has a four point something ERA, which at Coors Field is like he's basically pitching like to a 2.5. I mean, it, it it's pretty impressive what he's doing, even though the stats wouldn't really bear that out. So. I'm saying under in this one. I think the pitching matchup would indicate that. Um, and I think uh, – I, I really do think that even though you're at Coors Field and you, you're going to put up some runs at some point, I think that's going to stay under 10.5. If not for even Milwaukee just scoring, you know, let's say even they score five runs, I just don't think Colorado's going to get a whole lot off of Corbin Burns anyway. And and I think Antonio Sensatello is going to limit the j- damage enough to keep it under 10.5. I like that. That's a good lock as well. I, I like the um, that's interesting too about the course field and all that. We know how uh, that's a uh, interesting place to uh, one of the interesting ballparks in the MLB across the thirty teams. Yeah, I mean, you're just kind of trained to expect offense there. So yeah, I, I think that's why the over under is that high. I mean, it's the highest in all these games tonight. But again, I mean, if you look at what Corbin Burns has done this year, I mean, I, I just I can't bet against. Uh, the under here. I just think it's too too obvious to me. So that's what I'm going with. Yeah, I think I'm going to go with some, one in the NBA, but I think Coors Field, I think they're having the Derby and All-Star game there. We could get to it a little later. They but, are, yeah. Three so, weeks. So, yeah, balls are going to be Shohei Otani. Sure. Oh, that's brilliant. Yeah, I, I, yeah, Otani. Yeah, we could get to that a little later. But I think, man, if I had – it was – I saw the end of the Sixers-Hawks game and seeing <laughs> the faces of – Philly fans. What was that? Twenty-six point lead. Was that it the was, total that they collapse. that they came like, back part from? Two. Crazy. Yeah, it was collapse part two. So, man, uh, Hawks money line is plus one twenty-five. Man, I see. 
on my uh, CBS Sports app, it says 46% are taking that, 54% are taking the Sixers. But if I had to bet, I would definitely just bet on Trey Young and the Hawks to close out the series tonight at home with those crowds. The Hawk sound effect is just playing in my head right now. So, yeah, Hawks on the money line, plus 125. That's a really good. I like that. Well, we'll talk about that more. But, uh, Chris, what do you have for us as uh, as you uh, England-Scotland, I guess, is about 10 minutes left, right? Uh, More or down less. to the 87th minute, England's just sort of kicking it back and forth in their uh, back half. So it's going to be uh, a of course, nil-nil. We, we don't have the rights to broadcast this game, so I'm not going to give you any more detail unless like there's a goal. But uh, before I give my lock, I just want to say I think it's brilliant that they're playing a home run derby in the most home run friendly ballpark a mile above sea level where you know it just carries the ball further. I think that was um, a really smart decision by Major League Baseball. So I'm um, just going to keep that in uh keep that in mind um for my lock i actually feel pretty good about this we're going back to euro 2020 yes sir and we're going to the second match uh, of the day portugal at well yeah portugal at germany even though it's technically a neutral site um, where is a neutral site where is it this year well it's weird because it's it's across europe like england's playing scotland at wembley right now germany played their first game at uh the alliance arena in munich i don't know where they're playing this game it says at germany but i don't know if that's just you know they designated them as a home team or what the deal is anyway not that it matters. um basically germany has not played like themselves as of late um you know didn't really look all that great against france in their opener uh they struggled a bit through qualifying they've had some poor performances there uh head coach jürgen love is out after this tournament um stepping down after 14 years and Portugal's coming off a 3-0 win over Hungary. You can get Portugal money line plus 230. Uh, wow. And you can uh, find yourself some money there if you feel that uh, the man shaft isn't up to the task tomorrow, which I personally don't. So Portugal plus 230 against the Germans. Lock it in. I like it. That's a that's a good one uh, as well. Um, let's see. Do we? Uh, you know what? We're, David brought up the Hawks. We'll talk about the NBA. I mean, you know, first of all, right off the bat today, Al Horford back to the Boston Celtics. The Celtics uh, traded Kemba Walker to the Thunder. Uh, this is Brad Stevens. For practically nothing. Exactly. Brad Stevens' first move as president of the Celtics is this. It's Kemba Walker in exchange for Al Horford, Moses Brown, and a 2023 second-round pick. Uh, Boston's also going to give the Thunder their 16th overall pick in this year's draft, plus a 2025 second-rounder. So, uh, Kemba Walker is limited with those knee injuries. He missed nearly a month of this season. Uh, Boston did not play well. They didn't really make they didn't make the playoffs at all. Um, and that's been something that's interesting. Of course, Dirk Nowitzki rejoining the Mavs as a special advisor after they fired you know their GM, and then uh, Rick Carlisle uh, is gone. Uh, yesterday it was announced um, as well. So lots to unpack there. But I want to start first with with last night's game. Uh, it was tough, you know. Bucks forcing Game 7. They won 104-89 in their home arena uh, in Milwaukee at the Fiserv Forum. And uh, it was Chris Middleton with 38 points and 10 boards, 5 assists, 5 steals. He had a very good game. Giannis, too. And, Chris, we talked about Giannis last time. With He had uh, 30.17 in this game. Um, we talked about Giannis and how the Budenholzer adjustments, you know, what they've done and Budenholzer and playing Giannis as well. But the Bucks were 7-33 from 3. They won in... Giannis was playing more down low, and Budenholzer adjusted his lineup after they lost Game 5. And Game 6 in this one, you know, Harden had 16 points, but he was still struggling as well. Still didn't really seem below his, uh, his, way below his average output. But big Game 7 tomorrow in Brooklyn, in the borough. And this is, you know, it's sad. it hurts that Kyrie Irving's not going to play, too. 
Yeah, well, I think, first of all, I, I'm not really that worried. I'm pretty confident the Nets are going to win in Game 7. Nets have played very well at home all, all year. Uh, I know Barclays is going to be packed. Uh, ticket prices are the highest they've been uh, for the entire playoffs. So um, I, I have no doubt that it's going to be a very intimidating environment. And, uh, you know, I find it very hard to bet against Kevin Durant in Game 7 of an NBA playoff game. I just I, – I just – I, I, I think they're going to step up and I think they're going to get the job done. So, um, you know, that's sort of how I view that. Uh, to get back to your point about um, the Nets, though, I, I think that what killed the Nets is that even though the margin wasn't particularly close, um, you know, I, I think that what killed them is that they got on these runs like two or three times in the game where they cut the lead to like five or six points and it looked like they were going to get themselves back into it. Then Joe Harris would either brick a three or commit a bad foul or just kill the momentum. And I think that Joe Harris was really holding them back in that game. Joe um, Harris I think has that... been atrocious the whole series. Oh, right? he has. Been I think really... he played okay in game one. But, yeah, most of the series he has not been, he's not been good. Um, so, you know, hopefully he – Finds his shot in Game Seven because that's really the the main thing he brings to the table. He's not a particularly great perimeter defender. Um, you know, he's not the most uh, efficient facilitator. Like he he's a guy that he, he can shoot the three ball, and that's valuable in today's NBA, of course. But um, if he if his shot's not falling, you know, if I'm Steve Nash, I'm looking at maybe um, pulling him and getting some more of uh, the likes of Bruce Brown into the game. Maybe play a little bit bigger. Because uh, that's the one thing that the Bucks have an advantage over the Nets is generally in the size department, in the physicality department. Um, and, you know, it's been very – the officiating has been very uneven too, just in the way – in the sense that it feels like certain games, a lot more contact was allowed, and that's really favored how the Bucks play. And then there are other games where, uh, you know, the Bucks had to play more tentative, and I think that it favored the Nets. So um, a, lot, a lot of dynamics uh, at shape here, and I, I'm really excited for Game 7. Yeah, me too. I think it's going to be a, a big game as well. I mean, Chris Milton also just put Milwaukee on his back. He had a really setting up career playoff high um, in points uh, for Chris Middleton um, with 49. With, uh, you know, he's played very well. That 49 points he had in game five. And then um, he's been he played very efficient um, in this game. Well, has he set a career uh, career playoff high with 38 um, that he contributed to that win? Um, as well, but I think, you know, to your point about the runs and stuff, Kevin Durant, you know, he had 32 and 11, 32 points, and 11 boards. And, um, there were moments where the, you know, the nets would go on those runs and you're right. They cut the lead, uh, with about a minute and a half left in the third to 72, 67 Harden made a couple free throws and got fouled. And then, um, Middleton scored the last six points of the third quarter, including a dunk, a putback dunk at the buzzer. And that really brought them back in that game. But then you mentioned it with um, in the fourth quarter when Milwaukee led by as many as 15 early in the fourth. And then Brooklyn, they came back 10 straight points. Um, Joe Harris had that big three that made it 82-77 with about less than 840 to go in the final quarter. And then Middleton drew a foul on Harris, who you just mentioned, um, who... Um, well, I I was watching that play where he was shooting a three from the left uh, the left uh, elbow beyond the arc, and he made all three free throws. And he was fouled on the shot, so that was really difficult. And his free throws gave them a 14-0 run. They didn't allow any scores um, really uh, with about like for the ne- that next like three minutes. They really won on that huge run. Um, so it really is difficult to see that. Um, I want to see more from Harden. I think that he's definitely has to be somebody that has to step up. 
Um, Kevin Durant, you know, occasionally did spark the Nets on a big run. He sparked a 10-0 run early in the fourth that brought that down before those big free throws from Chris Middleton over Joe Harris. So, yeah, I think that Joe Harris is really, you know, he he definitely had, that was a really bad foul. And I think that especially the Nets going on that run and then Chris Middleton propelling the offense and, and uh, Budenholzer coaching them better in this game than he did in game five and also at Barclays. But I think that the Nets do end up winning tomorrow. I think that that's going to be, they're in Brooklyn, they're in Barclays, they're back in the borough, and I think that uh, Durant's going to come to play. And I think that Harden also, this is going to be a big opportunity for him to step up, especially in a potential you know final series game, series clinching game, a game seven. Uh, a lot of people thought the Nets, this wouldn't go to game seven, but it was it has, and I think that uh, Harden's going to have to you know play better. And I, he was taking some poor shots too yesterday, um, but I think that changes tomorrow. Yeah, Harden, Harris, uh you think back to Game Five, Jeff Green was what seven for eight, eight for nine. Oh, he had a very three. big game that. Yeah, yeah, yeah he so played that, very efficient. Yeah, that was completely gone in Game Six. He was two for nine. He only had five points. So, whether it's Green, Harris, Harden, just someone else, they need to help Kevin Durant for sure. Uh, I he definitely if if there's a similar performance to Game Six, I the Bucks are gonna win. So they're gonna need someone else to step up along with KD. There's no timetable for Kyrie Irving's return, Chris, is there? I don't Man, think he, he's out for a nice while, right? Extended time. They said, last I read was out for the series. Now, I don't think he'd play in the conference finals. No, I think he's ruled out. That. Yeah. For, I, for, I mean, for Saturday, he's ruled out. Yeah. Well, the qualifier being, I think, I mean, I'm, I'm speculating here, but I think it's possible we see him if the Nets, you know, obviously win game seven and uh, continue their run. I think we could see him later in the playoffs. But for now... They got to hope James Harden is uh, hitting a shot and they got to hope that, you know, two out of three is enough to get him over the hump. And I think, I think it will be, um, you know, I think Harden's feeling a lot better. He's not a hundred percent, but he can do so much with his jumper, with his ability to see the floor and facilitate. Uh, he brings a lot to that offense, even when he's not able to move the way that he usually does. So, um, you know, I think that having him on the floor in game seven is going to be huge for Brooklyn. Yeah, I think so, too. I think that that's going to be a really big factor um, for him as well. I think, you know, you look at the West, of course, and, you know, big games today with the Sixers and the Hawks and then the Jazz and the Clippers. The Clippers up 3-2, and that was uh, definitely surprising. Uh, there was no Mike Conley. He was out for that uh, that their last game um, as well. But um, right now they're saying Donovan Mitchell is a game-time decision. Conley is still is aiming to play tonight, but Donovan Mitchell had that ankle injury. He was likely to be a game-time decision today. Um, and Mike Conley is working towards returning today. He has yet to play in this series due to hamstring strain. Getting one of those guys back is going to be huge um, for Utah. Mitchell has dealt with ankle pain all series, and he looked really uncomfortable um, with the clip in that loss against the Clippers. Um, he said the pain is going to persist, and he was playing through the problem. But then he was averaging 34 points through the five games against the Clippers, and he's um, somebody that's really, you know, he's had that injury um, as well. So I'm interested to see, you know, if one of them plays. I think that Conley, he'll try and play as much as he wants. Um, so that's going to be something that you really, you're really going to want to see from them as well. Um, and then Kawhi is still out for the potential serious clincher. He's not going to play tonight. Um, head coach Tyrone Lewis said that he's he obviously suffered from that. They believe an ACL injury. There's no definitive timeline in game four that he suffered. And then Paul George had that huge uh, 37.16 rebound performance on game five. So if he has another game like that, Utah, they'll be playing uh, a Chris Paul-less uh, Phoenix Suns in the next round if they win tonight. Yeah, the 
I I don't know. I I think with Kawhi out, I I think, man, I, I don't want to give excuses to the Jazz because the Clippers are already shorthanded, you know. Yeah. I I feel like just Bogdanovich first. I was I didn't catch the end of that game, but I guess it looks like he cooled down. He was ten for twenty in the end, but. Man, did you see the first quarter? I did. Man, he went absolutely off. Like they have the potential. He had probably the best quarter of his whole of the whole like playoffs for his career. His this year for him, I think. They just kept feeding him. Yeah, he was just knocking everything down. He was ice. He was really hot. Man, they have the Jazz have so many scores. I don't want to. I don't want to give excuses. I I just think someone else has the ability and definitely should be able to step up, even if Donovan Mitchell is not one hundred percent. So I wouldn't write off the Jazz just yet. But yeah, I mean that game six was really good. I mean game five was really good. So yeah. Wait, it's tonight? Game six yeah, is tonight? Yeah, game six is tonight. And then wow. also that, that Sixers-Hawks, that's a huge one going to Atlanta, which is, you know, to Atlanta, to the State Farm Arena. And it's the Hawks, what they there, did, too. yeah, it is really tough to play. They won by three on that last one. They did rally from 26 points down, uh, which was incredible. And then Trey Young just really has really Im- improved and just gotten to where he is now. 39 points, seven assists, three steals. He's an absolute scorer for Atlanta. Um, and Philly wasn't hitting their free throws. They were 23 of 38 for free throws. They were really bad there. They also, you know, Atlanta wanted it more. Atlanta had 10 steals. Philly did not have that many steals. Um, and Atlanta also, the big thing for them, 25 to 9 points off turnovers. They really just benefited. They forced all those turnovers. Trey Young was huge for that. Um, and Clint Capella as well was formidable. But, you know, you also look at John Collins and what he did with a double-double, 19 points and 11 rebounds. The only It was 7 to 12 from the floor. 3 of 4 from 3, too. I mean, you know, I keep forgetting this guy is a scorer, too. And Trey Young kept feeding Collins. You know, all, most of his assists were to John Collins and a couple to Bogdanovich. And I think that... That's really been helping. And, of course, you know, the 15 from Lou Williams off the bench and the 16 from Don, from uh, Danilo uh, Gallinari, who's still been playing, which is great. Man, I mean, he's old. They, yeah, he's old, but, you know, he's dropping, you know, decent 16 points, you know, 6 to 10, 60% from the floor off the bench, uh, playing, you know, essentially 30 minutes about, you know, most majority of the game. So I, I, think, the, I think the Hawks can do it here. I think that, you know, Philly has really uh, struggled um, – I mean, of course, Embiid had a good game as well, um, you know, with 37 in that. But um, Philly, I just see Atlanta, you know, at home. I like that um, matchup as well. I think that that's going to be something to watch um, as well. It's Tobias Harris, you know, he missed all four of his field goal attempts. He was scoreless in the second half of game five. So I think that they've really missed him. And then Ben Simmons, you know, 0 for 1 from the field, 2 for 6 from the foul line after halftime. I mean, Doc Rivers like seeing this like lack of confidence from them. I don't know what's going on, but this is going to be something. If they if they don't step that up, they're going to you know avoid being you know losing by over like seven eight points to Atlanta. Yeah, Ben Simmons was four for fourteen from the free throw line. You just Trey Young was getting fouled late game when it was kind of desperation time, and he looked so confident just knocking down free throws in the opponent's building. So yeah, man, he wasn't phased at all by the no. Wells Fargo crowd. No, I think I think they want it more. I think you're right. I think they want it more. Uh, they've kind of come out of nowhere. A lot of people expected the Sixers to just Sixers won Game One by a ton, right? Oh no, they lost Game One. They, they then, lost Game One. Everybody else, people were scratching back. their heads. Yeah, and then yeah. Game Two, they, they won Game Two. They, yeah. yeah, they came back and won big. But yeah, man, the Hawks have kind of come out of nowhere here and. Man, the back going back home, especially if Simmons and Embiid and some of these guys, they just they didn't look as confident as they did at the start of the game at the end. So, it's not time to hang their heads, but it's 
it could be over tonight for sure. Chris, who's your pick for that Hawks Sixers? Do you think the the Hawks win that? Do you think they could do some damage in the finals, conference finals? You mean if the Hawks win? Yeah, can they do damage in a conference final? I don't know. It depends on all well, depends on who they're playing and how healthy they are. Like one, I think I'm I'm reasonably confident that the Hawks will win Game Seven. Like I'm not. Yeah. Um, I'm not. I'm not. You know. I. I. I, I mean, you not. You can never be so sure about a Game Seven, but I'm confident. Well, it's a Game they'll win Six that. today. I think he's uh, talking about. Yeah. The no, Nets. I'm saying. Oh, about the Nets. Oh, saying, oh, okay. Yeah. 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 No, makes... no. 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 I got. I got. No. No. I got confused. I thought that was a Game Seven. I just. I had a brain fart. Um, but the point is, I. I'm. I think I like the Hawks can. I think the Hawks can handle the Sixers. Um, I, I, yeah. I'll put it to you this way. If your second option offensively is Ben Simmons, you you have a ceiling in the playoffs. And I'm just going to – I tweeted that the other day. I did. I did that. like that. That was clever. Yeah, you did. You like all my tweets, really. That was clever. I mean, they're, they're good stuff. <laughs> yeah. I might have to go well, find um, that to like it myself. Oh, okay. boy. I don't think I follow you on Twitter. Uh, Do you even have Twitter? Dave, I, I mean, know. I don't really use it that much, but yeah, I haven't. Oh, okay. Yeah. All right. Fair enough. Yeah. Yeah. Give me a okay, follow. You could, what, were, what were you saying? What were you saying? Yeah. My, well, my point is, I think that if the Hawks are playing the Bucks, I, I really like that matchup for the Hawks, honestly, because um, I feel like they're more built um, for today's game. Um, I, I don't know if I love uh, the Bucks' ability to consistently create offense on the perimeter. Um, they, they've tended to be a bit streaky in the Nets series, um, but the Hawks are more geared towards that in my view and i i think um you know that they, they sort of fit that style of basketball a lot more and in, in terms of them playing the nets i think you know the nets are only going to get healthier um knock on wood so in that case i would pretty strongly favor the nets over the hawks but if the nets run into more injury problems or you know guys have setbacks or they just lay an egg you know i think the hawks are going to give them a tough series i have been immensely impressed with what this Hawks team has done in terms of improvement just within the start of this season to now. Keep in mind, this is a team that fired their head coach like a month into the season. And to go from that to where they are now uh, with a a young, uh, promising team, uh, you know, you have to really like that if you're a Hawks fan. Yeah, yeah, you definitely do. This might not be a good comparison. You could tell me I'm not the I'm not the NBA expert over here, but this Hawks team kind of reminds me of the heat last year in the playoffs. Like no, young I think talent, that's a very good one. Yeah, I think so. I could see that, especially with the the young talent that they uh, had as well. Uh, we got more sports stuff uh, coming up next. Our hour two coming up after this break.